grid is live. Initiate light cycle battle. Hey, hey, hey! This is Trevor and Nathan and Joe coming at you. We three beards. So much fun to talk about today. So much to get into. We have been talking about the top 10, a list of issues that people have with the Star Wars sequel trilogy that are in fact present in the original trilogy as well. With How me quickly today, people forget. <laughs> with me today, uh, my friends and yours, Nathan and Joe. Say hello, fellas. Hello, fellas. Hello, fellas. Brilliant. I know, right? That was such a great joke. Brilliant. We are dads. <laughs> we are dads. Therefore, we are ripe with dad jokes. Oh, we've got the dad jokes. Long. So we're going to dive right in today, and we are at number seven. I'm going to lead off uh, our show talking about uh, something that folks have issue with about the sequel Star Wars trilogy did in fact show up in the original trilogy. I'm going to say it very quickly and we will discuss random romances. I use the word random because in the Star Wars saga, they come out of nowhere, (laughs) my friends. They seemingly come out of nowhere. There's just this element of we must have a romantic interest. It Mm -hmm. is part of the storytelling. All of this is true in almost every other saga every other series every other universe uh romance it's a big deal um and in our case uh thinking about the sequel trilogy i found a a lot of as as you did as well i'm sure a lot of angst directed at uh, our storytellers in particular of uh the second movie in the sequel trilogy uh where we began to see uh romances budding Uh, or pseudo-romances budding between key characters. And as the story enveloped uh, us with, with, with emotion and feeling and, and warmness, there was also some ickiness, a little bit of ickiness that we had to work through. And for some people, those romances were, were fantastic. They made sense. And for others, not so much. I don't know that we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the impact those specific romances had on us. I, for one, thought they were very understandable. I thought they worked. I wasn't too weirded out by them. But as this sequel trilogy comes to completion, you learn things about other characters. Well, does that remind you of anything in the original trilogy? Were there budding romances or 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 thoughts at least that a romance would begin? And then it turned a little icky. <laughs> I mean, you gotta. I mean, it's <laughs> so the yeah, it came out of nowhere that Luke, Luke and Leia all of a sudden had this little budding romance, and then we revealed to them that they're brother and sister. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. So we, we know that, uh, that sometimes it can be challenging to, to want to force or put to lead characters, strong characters, um, together in a in a romantic relationship, there just there brings this this element of extra of extra care. There's some nurturing. There's you know there's more skin in the game. We've got more to fight for if you're fighting for someone that you love. And I felt like it worked just as well in the sequel trilogy 
as it did in the original trilogy, despite the fact that there was just a little bit of ickiness. We just weren't 100% sure. Like, uh, should a pseudo like enemy uh, combo in, in Kylo Ren and Ray should should they be caring about each other at all? Um, should they be shirtless? Should he be shirtless? Should any should anybody be shirtless? Um, I don't know the answer to that question, uh, but it but it did it did strike a chord with some folks who thought I I don't know if I if I buy this. And then by the end of of the third movie of the sequel trilogy, there were um, there were some elements there as well of, of of kind of tying the bow on it. And for some it worked, and for some it didn't. So, are you comparing Kylo Ren and Rey to Luke and Leia? Uh, you know, I, I think that might be the most fair comparison if people okay. were, were were trying to to draw conclusions and make and make and make negative sure. uh, comments on it. I'm not, but but I know I know there were also folks that were that were worried about what was going on with. Uh, with Finn and Ray, and was there anything? Was there anything to that? Um, Dude, I was all team Finn, team Ray. Sure. Like that. That's what I was hoping for. Sure. Um, sure. And like any good storyteller, you're never going to get everything that you want. Yeah. Sure. Well, in the outcome of a movie. And then you, and then you have the, you know, the the other kind of budding love interest with Rose and Finn that that, that was germinating in in the last. It, yeah. I I don't. I don't, but I don't think any of them. I mean, these are just moments, right? Where you're in, you're moving from crisis to crisis. Characters are in the, this constant state of, have I lost this? Have I lost this? Am I going to continue to lose people? And you just, you have a growing affection. And I think when you, when you display elements of that on the screen, then your audience has a chance to, uh, to join in on that. There's a, there's a sense of, uh, you, you resonate. I think with that, you, yeah. you know, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, Star Wars as a universe, similar to a lot of others, Harry Potter comes to mind, Lord of the Rings, where there's a lot at stake and friends are dropping off um, a lot. And, and you're in, in this constant state of worry and anxiety. Am I going to lose my friends and all that I'm fighting for? Is it really going to be worth it if I lose them? Yeah. So I thought it was fine. But boy, there were some some significant complaints about what in the world was going on with those pseudo romances. Did that actually work? Well, guess what? There was a worse one and a way ickier one <laughs> in The Empire Strikes Back that was revealed fully. It, it, it's just got to be said. So it, it does have, to, have to, be to be said. Let's leave that one alone. So there is a thing that that the Star Wars franchises has has done from episode one all the way through. Um, and that it is always it is always trying to bring in a new generation and the generation before always kind of is like, why in the world did you do that? But the generation that they're trying to appeal to always seems to be like, yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. So, I mean, I know we're not talking about about the or about the 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 prequel trilogies, but I mean, Jar Jar Binks. Everybody that is over ten years old when it came out hated Jar Jar Binks. All of those kids still love that weird yeah. creature thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, even even the Ewoks. Ewoks. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole like our age. We are all like Ewoks are kind of, but the ones right after us were like Ewoks are the greatest things that were ever created. Um, and so they're always looking at this this next generation. And I will tell you this: that whole uh, Ray and and uh, Kylo Ren love affair, mm. as weird as it was and as off putting as it could have been, my daughters loved emo Darth Vader 
to death. <laughs> um, and the fact that they were always trying to figure out how, a way to to save this guy and the whole budding relationship between between him and Ray, they totally attached to. Hmm. So they saw it coming. Yeah, they were like praying for it from like the moment everything was revealed in the in the first episode. Interesting, because yeah. I what what I found fascinating about that was that when it happened, I remember watching it in the theater with you guys. When it happened, I was like, I didn't see that coming. Like it was a, a surprise to me that this was an actual relationship mm-hmm. or or like a possible relationship. I was thinking at the beginning when um, Poe and Ray were fighting about the Falcon. And I was like, oh, is this going to mm-hmm. be like a thing between Finn or Poe or, or, you know, any of that going on? Again, trying to add some tension and stuff. All the interactions between Ray and Kylo, I never saw as romantic or flirting or anything. I always saw it as this, that she was trying to figure out what side is she on and and that he was really in, in a different way trying to get her to you know not necessarily join the dark side but join his side um of things and like so him offering his hand i never saw that as like a hold my hand because you're my girlfriend type deal i saw that as like a join me just like what vader said to luke of and together we'll rule the galaxy sure um so that's why it, it kind of took me off guard but i never went down the the line of hating it and being like oh that's a horrible that's the worst thing ever i was just like oh i do not see that coming i wouldn't have i wouldn't have written it that way but again that's okay because you were not a junior high girl in <laughs> that's true that's very true <laughs> when you were watching the movie because they true. all thought that that was the best thing ever awesome that's good I actually haven't heard that. I haven't heard anybody yet say that they thought that was the best thing ever. So it's good to to have that perspective. Yep. And it really is a it was a brilliant way to I mean as off putting it is to to people who have who have, you know, sunk their, their teeth into what they have attached to in all these movies. I mean, constantly looking into a new generation and bring, bringing in a new audience is the way that you're going to survive uh, through the ages. So Yeah. 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 Awesome. All right, that's number 7. Who's got number eight? So I got one. Got one here. Um, so there was a big deal that that was brought in with um, with Ray uh, having force healing, um, and the fact that she was able to bring in possibly a new power to to what the Jedi's had been able to do before. Um, and so there were speculations that because she was so powerful, that there was she was able to do things that that they weren't able to do, to do in the past or that it was some kind of hidden thing but i make the claim that obi-wan had the power of healing as well what um and that when when luke was attacked by the same people mm-hmm. that he was actually using force healing there as well so this is something that has actually been around for a while they're just making it a little bit more intense because it was something that was a gaping wound that they needed to, to fix. Um, but I think that, that the, the actual act of force healing has, has been around since, since the, the original trilogy. So what you're, so what you're saying, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, is that there, there was a, a, a significant length of time that main characters in particular that we knew Jedi uh, were familiar with a form of, expel my energy my life force for the purpose of bringing back or bringing healing to another 
by force and that that was and, and so are you are you suggesting that that was uh, uh, something that he knew for uh, for quite a while or that he learned over the course of his time on Tatooine in isolation or there and the reason for my question though though I do not debunk this as a as in as a, 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 a I don't think this is the wrong like approach to to this particular subject I think people who have been boiling about why in the world did they have a new power it probably was in, in existence before but it brings up the question for me of why Anakin was so quick to trust only the sinister Emperor Palpatine with the idea of being able to heal or bring back from near death. He seemed, he seemed that it seemed that at least in that realm, that was the only option open to him, mm-hmm. which is why mm-hmm. he was so quick to say, I will do what I will do your bidding, no matter what it forces me to do. How in the, so the timeline for where, if that's true, where do you think he picked up that? skill so yeah so if if it's something that wasn't that wasn't known before and that's something that he had he had um gained while he was on exile on tatooine i i mean i subscribe to the the theory for sure that that obi-wan was in communication and and whatnot with qui-gon jinn past episode three Mm-hmm. Um, you know that there was there was more training that had to have happened. You know, Qui Gon Jinn, you know, by canon now through comics and whatever, was was one of the first Jedi's to figure out how to to come back as a Force ghost, um, and so he was able to understand things about about the Force that other people didn't know because he was in kind of that that next realm, that next spot of of being able to have that that better understanding coming back to teach obi-wan more things about the force this is how you're going you're going to even pass over and these are some things that are going on that you're going to need to know about and so here's some other little gifts um i mean because if you look at i mean you look at what what obi-wan is doing when luke gets attacked and he's laying down there and he puts his hand over his forehead i mean he's not checking his pulse I mean, he's not making sure that he's okay by putting his hand to his forehead to make sure he he's is. still that's alive. A, that's a bad way to check the pulse, Obi-Wan. Because it's like, that's, <laughs> that's like, not how that works. What, where's the heartbeat on the forehead? <laughs> um, and so that's, I mean, he's obviously doing something else than just making sure that he's okay. Uh, and so there has to be some kind of force transfer, something that he's doing um, to heal Luke in that space. Um, and I do, I agree. I believe that, that it was something that was probably learned post episode three while he's in exile from Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. And if anything that the amazing Clone War series has shown us is that not every Jedi had the exact same abilities, the exact same powers or whatnot, that there were some that were really gifted in some areas and others and others. And, and I agree. I know Qui-Gon, you know, I don't like talking about the prequels that much, but Qui-Gon did have a panache for having unique um, force abilities right. that I, just the very fact that he was one of the first to figure out how to turn himself into a force ghost. You know, by the end of Return of the Jedi, everybody's a force ghost. You know, <laughs> Vader can do it and and, uh, and Yoda's doing it and, and, and all of that stuff. But knowing that he was the first one to figure it out, seems to me like okay and when i was i was re-watching that scene um 
and and knowing that the same person was like holding up their gaff stick and like and it, the camera cuts away before it shows the the finish of the attack because we saw Luke fall down and then the camera goes away and then you see them dragging Luke next to the speeder before they go and check out what's in the speeder before obi-wan comes and so it's like oh dude like if they brought that stick down on him i don't think he's hurt i think he's Mm -hmm. close to death because Mm -hmm. that's a that's a a hurting blow right there yeah because i mean it goes back to as soon as obi-wan puts his hand up to his forehead that's when luke starts waking up right Yep. So, yeah, I, I mean, because the fair. sand people are, I mean, they're a savage warrior class. I mean, we even learned from from the Mandalorian. I mean, they don't, they really yeah. don't take prisoners and they're not leaving people around. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and so it's, it's, it is something that if they were struck with that, I mean, you look at what Obi-Wan does, or not Obi-Wan, what Boba Fett does in the Mandalorian with um, so the stormtroopers with, I mean, with one of those sticks and it's right. like, yeah, so it's, it's not going to be something that he's just gotten hit from. He's got a bump on his head. Yeah. Um, and there's got to be some significant, some significant healing that's got to happen. Yep. It probably would have been more bloody if it was like a, a rated R movie or something, but they had right. to keep it PG. So, <laughs> all right. Is that your number eight? That is my number eight. Are so, we ready for number nine? Nathan, you got number nine. Oh yeah. I've got number nine here. Okay. I know there's a lot of complaints. Uh, in fact, J.J. Abrams just recently talked about how having a plot outline for a story um, is really, really important, especially when you're doing like a trilogy type of story. And I know one of the big criticisms of the sequel trilogy is that they never had a plan from the beginning of what they were going to do with Snoke. What were they going to do with Ray? What were they going to do with Finn and, and Poe and and Han and Luke and, you know, trying to get the the three originals together, all of that stuff. And that they said that it hurt the sequel trilogy, not having that story outline at the beginning, how when Ryan Johnson came on board for The Last Jedi, he, he had the freedom to do whatever he wanted to do with the story. I think the only thing he couldn't do was he was going to have, um, it was either R2 or BB-8 go with Rey at the end of uh, at the beginning of last jedi and jj had said oh no no like r2 is going to be the one on the millennium falcon when they go to um to when they go to find luke so like that was the only thing that he had to change because of what was happening with force awakens but pretty much everything else he got to do and so people said no 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 you've got to have it planned out like in the prequel trilogies george had a plan of what episode one episode two and episode three was going to be mm-hmm. um but in the original trilogy, I believe, yes, George had a grand vision of what he wanted to do. But if you've ever heard of what the original version of Star Wars was, it is way different than what we saw in the film. Like Han Solo was going to be some lizard type creature. Um, and Luke Starkiller was going to be like an old wizened man with a beard or something. Like it was just all these different way crazy things. And when they made that original trilogy, the the story changed from movie to movie. It wasn't a map outline. That's why we have Luke and Leia kissing each other in Empire Strikes Back, because they didn't know they were brother and sister. That wasn't even a thought process. George wasn't sitting in the back going, oh, I think they're brother and sister, but we're going to do this anyway. No, it was, you know, they're they're young. You've got the love triangle between, is it, it going to be Leia and Han or Leia and Luke? Who are you going to be rooting for? 
And then they changed it for Return of the Jedi. I say, oh, no, actually, they're going to be brother and sister now because that would be. And, and it is like for the story, it's for Luke to find out that he has a twin sister and that Vader, you know, all of that building up. It makes sense in the story, but it also showcases that there wasn't a detailed plan that they were following to say we have to get from this to this to this. You know, the second Death Star was not going to be in Return of the Jedi to begin with. Um, it was going to go in a completely different route. But they saw reactions to the second one. They made changes. They made adjustments. And we got the movies that we did. And that's why I think we love the original trilogy so much, because there was that outline that was the basic structure, but they could change things and make it based on the directors that you had of those movies. And I think that's what we got with the sequel trilogy, where you got J.J. starting off with Force Awakens and doing what he did with it and loving what he did with it. You got Ryan Johnson doing something with Last Jedi and how Empire Strikes Back is in the same way, just this weird left turn, like you never expected that. That was the same thing for um, Last Jedi. And then same with Rise of Skywalker. That again, you had like all these lasers and all these other things going on. Um, And so I think even though people criticize the way that the films went, in the sequel trilogy, it actually follows the pattern of what we saw in the original trilogy more so than it did in the prequels. So, and I think I think you're right. I think that we would have. I mean, even if we had um, uh, not brought J.J. Abrams back for for the last episode of that of mm-hmm. that prequel, it probably might have even been a better story to tell. I mean, because he was starting mm-hmm. to bring things back into, and we've had I think we've had this conversation a couple times that. It's like if you are the writer director for for a series like that, you kind of can write yourself into a corner. Like you start going yeah. through, and you've got these visions that you feel you've got to get to, yep. um, and bringing in a Ryan Johnson and and doing the things that they they did kind of will, will make you a better storyteller. Because now all of a sudden you have this whole new thing that you never thought that you would ever have to write about, um, and now you're like, okay, how do I get them out of this? from this completely different perspective. Um, yes. And I think that that a lot of the, a lot of stuff that, that Abrams did was was trying to bring things back to his original vision um, and still write himself, in, you know, right into what, what Johnson did in, in the, second, the second episode. Um, but I think if we had had a third guy in there who, who may have had J.J. Abrams as an, as an, you know, an, an overall, hey, this is where we were, planning on going but came up with yeah. a completely different vision um yeah. i think that the story would have would have gotten even broader um and mm-hmm. maybe even more powerful because we have you have multiple voices bringing in multiple creativity um to something instead of just getting locked into one here's a and i'm going to b and then by any means i'm getting there yeah absolutely good oh that's good all right final final one Number ten. All right, I so know Tre- I know you've got one. I know Trevor has one. Yeah, so we had to figure out which one's going to be the best. Number ten. <laughs> we forgot which one's going to be the best. Should we do? So which should we let you guys both tell what you have and then decide, or do you guys want to just? I will pick a number in my head, and the <laughs> no, closest, both, the closest, the closest we'll between say it at the one same and ten. Time, and you have to listen to both of us and then figure out which one. <laughs> <laughs> Just both of you say it. <laughs> so mine is so Nathan actually brought up a great topic topic about I about, usually do about the store about 
story and the and the framework and you know just how much storyboarding and how much flexibility and creativity they had that was a little bit of an expansion even on one of the early ones we did about having different directors and the freedom of of being able to go different directions so the one i've got is a little bit of an expansion on on one that we mentioned earlier talked about mystery villains and the the number 10 one that i have is the suspension of belief about origin just in general this idea of origin so the premise being all of the and some of this goes all the way back to prequels as well but the idea that we've got to know everything in order to mm. in order to get in order to get with the story in order, in order to buy in so we can expand on that a bit more one of the, one of the ideas i had there was both in terms of the force itself and joe did a great job of chatting already with us about some of the the different nuances of the force that we learn and who can learn new skills and who's got what um so that's true too but origin in general as well about characters uh and and how present it is that we spent three movies trying to figure out where Ray's from, kind of like we spent three movies trying to figure out where Leia's from and where Luke is from and where, why is Obi-Wan hanging out? And I like all of these things we just had to. So anyway, that's, that's one of mine and we can dive in more if we want to. Nate, what's yours? Yeah. So mine actually has a lot to do with characterization too, because the biggest complaint um, one of the biggest complaints for the sequel trilogy was the fact that you wanted to see the original characters more. We wanted to see Luke, Leia, and Han together. Um, and and the fact that we never got to for a variety of reasons, you know, the kill of Han in the first one, um, we lose Luke in the second one, and, and then you have Leia in the third one. Um, but what I would say is the characters that they gave us specifically in force awakens i really like rose and last jedi but i'm going to focus on on force awakens um that i remember seeing in the theater trev i think you and i saw in the theater together um and i remember we were getting through the movie and it finally got to the point when they were on the millennium falcon um they got boarded and they thought it was stormtroopers coming on board and then it was han solo with chewbacca and he does that awesome line chewy we're home um but i remember going oh wait yeah i forgot like han's gonna be in this and like oh I, I i'm excited to see him but i was already invested in finn and ray and poe to the the point i was like these are fantastic characters and these are characters that I'm interested in that, that I want to follow. Um, And, and, and not to slouch at the prequel trilogy so much, but I never really felt that with the prequel trilogy because it was like, I knew Obi-Wan Kenobi from the original trilogy. So when I saw Ewan McGregor, I'm like, it's Obi-Wan. That's great. Anakin as a kid, I never really connected with and, and, and Qui-Gon was okay um, as a, as an introductory character, but what the sequel trilogy did so well with those three characters is I felt like, I was like, okay, here is a new group that I am willing and wanting to follow in the same way that I, I was willing and wanting to follow Luke, Leia and Han and Chewie running through the Death Star and like worrying what's happening to them in Star Wars. Um, I felt that same type of connection to Rey, um, Finn, and Poe um, in the sequel trilogy and just really, really appreciated having well-written 
characters that I, that I was interested in. So that was mine. Well, I think we can just go. I mean, this is similar enough. We could just go into 10A and 10B um, because I do. I do think I mean, like you just think of like the one of the things that 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 the prequel trilogy and you were touching on Nathan always brought me down with. I mean, we're, we're not talking about bad writing and weird visual effects and, and whatever it is, but it's the fact that there was there was nobody new to be invested in. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there was, there was, you know, we were, we were given, we were given the origin stories of some characters that we threw fits about in the original trilogies. We want these origin stories. Um, and so I just am curious, Trevor, to, to, um, to your question or to, to your topic of it. It's like, what, why do you think it is important for, for people to have or not have that origin story when, when developing a good uh, a good series. Yeah, no, I, it's a great question. I think, uh, though it may be a, a topic for another uh, longer podcast, you know, one of the things that we have no choice but to recognize is that the expectation was so high for the sequel trilogy to provide the same kinds of answers that the prequel trilogy did. And so this, for me, is a knock on the prequel trilogy and the need for people to to know where where everyone came from, to have every backstory, um, to have an understanding of you know where evil began, right? So this, the whole story of the Star Wars saga is to uncover where where the evil began. We 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 have we don't have to suspend belief to to come to the conclusion that good will win over evil. These are what the stories do for us. Um, with rare exception, it's what the entertainment industry and what Hollywood and what movies and good storytelling does for us is, is it inspires to the point of recognizing no matter how evil it is, no matter how broken something is, there is the possibility of uh, concluding with healing, with restoration, with redemption, whatever. Um, I think the prequel trilogy did the sequel trilogy ultimately a great disservice by feeling the need to explain the origin of the force, by feeling the need to explain um, the 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 very beginnings of of evil of a of a boy who didn't even have a father to to lose, and so uh, the and so his mom being the only the only one of of worth in his life and have everything tied to that and be told by you know by the jedi council you can't even love your mother you have to leave her you have to you can't be afraid to lose her all of those things a 10 year old for crying out loud so i think what what happens for people is you end up with uh, a three movie arc that is supposed to tie up everything the way they felt the prequels gave them every answer to what began it so i think it was a set in that way a bit of a setup for failure because then you have a sequel trilogy like nate just said that has no choice but to find a way to continue a story arc with characters that we learned about and only they're much older so we gotta Mm -hmm. gotta include them but we got to figure out how to include them and bring their story to an end while also really needing to bring in new characters to build to build a new foundation for this universe Mm -hmm. You know, and you can't lie that or you can't be naive to the reality that you've also got merchandise to sell and and all of that. So you need new story. You need new blood. But I think people innately want to understand things. Mystery is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. We we want to be surprised, but mystery is uncomfortable. And so when they received a lot of the 
of the dotted I's and crossed T's with prequel trilogy, they had the same kind of expectation for sequel. And what's interesting is if you look at just the original trilogy by itself, so looking at Star Wars, episode four, when we meet Luke, he's completely, he's a fish out of water. Like he, he doesn't know anything about the force. Like Obi-Wan has to tell him about the force. And so we in turn, as the audience are learning about all of these things as Luke is learning about them. Um, so he becomes that person that we're connecting to, attaching to. Mm-hmm. Um, Han comes in as a scoundrel, Leia's the leader. Um, you have those things um, in the prequel trilogy. And, and this is always like, this isn't a, a slide at the prequel trilogy for itself. It's this is what happens when you do any type of prequel, not just a Star Wars prequel. Anytime you're going backwards and telling what happens before, you're already stuck in a box. Because when we met Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, my first thought was, wait, Yoda said, or that Obi-Wan said that Yoda taught him. What's Qui-Gon doing here? And that's what was going on in my head as we're being introduced to these two characters. So I'm already stuck in the box of the original trilogy of like, how, how is this going to fit and go on and get into there? And then we meet Anakin as a 10 year old, who I think was supposed to be that fish out of water in the same way as Luke was in the original trilogy. As like, we're going to learn about things through Anakin. The problem with that was a, we already knew quite a bit because we saw the original trilogy and we already know what's going to happen to Anakin. So there's there's less mystery in his character development because we know how that story ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and which so that just there was many times throughout the prequel trilogy where something happens. like, But that's not what they said in the original trilogy. Or right. why does that work out there? Where in the sequel trilogy, they had a lot more freedom um, because they were they were writing into the future. Like it's like Doc Brown says, your future hasn't been written yet. No one's has. So make it the best one. And but that be said, you know, the writing of a prequel has to be just top notch and spot on and get it to where it's connecting all of those dots. And and unfortunately you get to a point where it's like, oh well, forget it. Just do it that way because we need to get this done. We need to get this movie printed and out the door and leave us scratching our heads going, but wait a minute. That's not that's not how it happened to begin with. Well, and that's if I would say that's probably the only thing for me that the prequel trilogy did well, and that I think is evident in the other two trilogies. So, I, so I, so I think, and it might bring up a, a ten C, <laughs> but <laughs> it's but it's this but it's this notion that it is that it is possible for this universe to be larger than we want it to be. We really. To, to put a bow on it all every end has to tie together and that's come on now if you're a real fan you don't want that to be true you want there to be this like this tendril out here and this uh-huh. area out here and you know, like it, it could find its way you know after 10 or 12 degrees of connection to be connected uh-huh. but you you i think you want to know that there's a camino and this whole this whole other race that we've not been introduced to yet you you want to have a better understanding of where clones came from or this whole notion of of even clone wars you want to know those things but you can also have you can also kind of tip your toe uh, into that river but also believe that there's still a vastness out there way more yeah 
the the broom the the boy with the broom and like no there are there are so many different avenues and ways into this well that's gonna get into i mean that for me i mean you spend you spend all of these years thinking about the original trilogy and the stories behind them and and i mean even if even if the prequel trilogy was the best series of movies ever written there would still be parts of it that would be disappointing because it didn't line up to what i had envisioned for 20 years ownership. yeah it's ownership. and it's it's that whole that whole ownership thing and it's you know you you if you open up these gaps and you make these i mean that's what you do when you do universe building you you've, it expands it's going to be bigger it's going to be bigger than 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 any one person could ever write out um i mean that's where you get things like and then you get brilliant things like um, in the Mandalorian, we you know we we go to the Calamarians world and we see it for the first time, and yeah. you just and you even just get a brief little bit of that. But it's this big ocean world with all these other creatures, and there's more creatures than than, than the ones that we had seen um, at at different times. And so they have different species on there, and so that that world starts to create more, and the universe expands out, and and that's what you want, right? Okay. As a fan, you want this thing to be to be bigger than 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 one person could dream up or a series of people can dream up and then you just get you get more creativity and you get more books and you get comics and you get tv shows and you get cartoons and all these things that come out of it that you then just get to expand the world broader yeah. and bigger yep. yeah yeah and that's what's incredible about watching things like the mandalorian or the clone wars or the bad batch is you also realize the freedom that you have the longer storytelling um process that you have available to you so when you're making movies you've got two and a half hours maybe three to get a story done and if you're doing that three times in the in a trilogy that's still not a lot of time to like flesh things out where they need to go where you're doing things like clone wars or a series like the mandalorian or the obi-wan series that's coming up the fact that you now can stretch things out and begin to dive a little bit more into some of those other areas that you're talking about so you can look at those little snippets of of being on a new world or something um that i think brings a lot more joy when i'm watching those than i got when i was watching um, some of the prequel trilogies when I was younger. See, this is the debate that that Mackenzie, my wife, and I get into all the time because we we battle back and forth about movies that that end open or those that just tie everything up in a bow. Ooh. And she loves movies that that tie it up. She wants the closure. She wants the finale. <laughs> I want to think about it for hours and months and years later i want to constantly be coming back to a to to a story or a movie or something going oh could it have been this so i bet she loved inception oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's one we get to watch around here a lot (laughs) but so this so this is actually ties us right into i have one one more question for you guys as we kind of wrap up these 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 top this top 10 list um and it does come back to kind of that ownership idea um so in the the original trilogy i mean that was i mean fans fans grew they had ownership but there wasn't a strong connection between the fan and the the creators i mean there was a little Mm -hmm. they had you know they had test groups they had this they had that but there wasn't there wasn't a ton of of influence between fans when they're watching the movie to what the creators were doing a prequel trilogy you get you get a little bit more but we live now in a day and age where you get instant feedback 
you get yeah. instant criticism, you get instant praise. And so my question to you guys as we kind of wrap this up is what what benefit or 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 um what problems have have been created from fans who have ownership of a franchise and their connection to the storytellers i so i think the te- i think the tether that you have between uh, a, a group of people that has uh, grown to love and adopt um, a group of characters in a universe um, that can feed directly into the creative process um, is beneficial. I think the only thing that becomes problematic is if once a vision, once you've once you've got a vision for where you want to go, and you've you've had the opportunity to receive feedback and input, is is if you then allow yourself to get off track at the first sign of criticism. I think I think that's the only problem. Otherwise, I think the value is so high to have that direct link, and you know, social media and its ability to do um, at at you know the speed of light, <laughs> the kind of damage that it sometimes does. Um, you know, that's a problem, but on the whole, when it comes to the storytelling, I mean, wouldn't you rather be continuing to build things, especially once we've talked about how fast the universe is. Um, I'm more excited. I don't mind you guys. I'm more excited to see what, what is birthed out of the star Wars universe because of the fans. Now that we have concluded the Skywalker saga, I'm more excited to see how vast that becomes. Um, than I would have been if we were having to start completely over and there was no fan buy-in and no, I mean, this is, this is the benefit of having a group of 40 and 50 and 60 year olds that grew up on this and now have the resource and the ability to breathe new life and build new things um, within the same context. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, what I find extremely interesting is I think there is the, like you had the Zack Snyders in the world who just love him or hate him. He does a phenomenal job of engaging with fans, connecting with fans, showing sneak peeks. And I'm not even getting into the whole Justice League release of Snyder Cut, all that stuff. Even before that, leading up to when he directed Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman, which, you know, I didn't like Batman versus Superman, but I still loved how much he engaged with the. Um, the audience of just making them feel like a part of the process that he was doing or Chris Nolan, who did the dark Knight trilogy was complete opposite. Like dude's not on social media. He's not, you know, going to every comic con or whatever the case may be to showcase. He's just working on his story. When you look at star Wars side of things, I think the blowback that happened after the last Jedi, when the fans were like, I hated what Ryan Johnson did to Luke and his character and the light speed thing. And, and all of that was just horrible. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I, I so much enjoyed, but I also knew what would happen, which is what happened that there was a hard right turn back to right the ship. That's why you got JJ Abrams back to directing the third one. Cause that was a safer choice. And, and again, I still enjoyed rise of Skywalker. I did. I had as much fun in the theater watching that movie, um, all of the things, but that was a direct response to fans. Mm-hmm. That was the, Oh no, the fans are angry. We have to make them feel better. 
and and try to right the ship a little bit. Um, but now we have Mandalorian, and we've got Bad Batch, and we've got you know they got to do a, another a, another season of Clone Wars to wrap that up. Um, and so I feel like they they're they're now like back on course of saying you know we're going to give storytellers the opportunity to tell these stories and try not to freak out when it doesn't go the way that you go but then also giving it to somebody like Dave Filoni who had George Lucas's ear and was able to learn so much from George Lucas before taking over and the guy's an incredible storyteller that you know is going to be going in the right direction so I do think it is a double-edged sword of how much you engage with fans and listen to what it is that they say that they want. Yeah, see, and I, I mean, I agree with with both of you on different levels. Like, in you know, Trevor, what you're saying is like, I, yeah, the the fans, the fans are what is pushing the universe and the story further. If I mean, if it wasn't for the fans, then 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 the the series would end super fast. Um, but I think that that the instant feedback, especially, I would love like this is why I love the the uh, the new model through Disney Plus the 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 seasons and seasons and seasons. Yes, is because we get to see we get to see a creator's vision from beginning to end on a season and be like, yeah. oh yeah. I mean, it's like what if what you know during Mandalorian the first season, what if we had feedback to be able to go, oh yeah, Baby Yoda is too small or I don't like its voice. I mean, and then so they're they're making adjustments you know, mid season. And then all of a sudden the story is completely different from episode one to the, the season finale. And like literally the Mandalorian season one was one of the best works of star Wars in mm-hmm. years. Yes. Um, and then, and then yeah, make adjustments after you've told the story that you want to tell. And then it's like, okay, I want to continue this. Let's make adjustments from what fans are saying and that kind of stuff and try to draw new people and, and correct this kind of stuff and go, Oh yeah, I agree with what they're complaining about for here. Let's change that. But let's tell a story. Let's, I mean, that's why I love like the way that they did um, like the Lord of the Rings series, like film an entire series. I mean, even if you're going to put it out at, you know, years apart in different spots, but tell your story from beginning to end, because I want just to be able to be entertained by your story. From the and beginning the future, to part the two end. and three. Yeah, I I have a question about that because I think I mean I I think I agree with both of you on that, and I definitely well, agree. You know you agree. Definitely, <laughs> I definitely fall in agree. line, Trevor. Fall in line. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, so I I will fall. Shoot up. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, the episodic stuff, dude. That absolutely. That's and that you know Disney can't even claim you know, the first go around on that. I mean, some of that was in play Netflix and Amazon had done yep. that already. So, yep. so that, so, but that's brilliant as it's applied to things like Marvel and star Wars at, that we're, that we especially love. The question I wanted to ask though, Nathan brought up a point and I want to ask you guys without going too deep in this, in this podcast episode, but do you really believe that the fans have that much power? And the reason I ask that is because if we are to use Rise of Skywalker as an example of of fan backlash, um, I'm, I think I might push back on that. I, I, and I don't know the full story, but my recollection is that Colin Trevorrow backed out on his own, and that it was a I don't want I don't want any part of this. It's too big. It's not going to be my thing. And my belief is that J.J. Abrams was brought in, yes, to quote unquote write the ship. But I believe what he did was largely due to the fact that he was trying to save his own story. 
not so much what the fans would say or not say about it, but the fact that he began the process, understood what he had in his head about the origins of Snoke and about what Kylo's arc could be. Yeah. I think it was more about that than it was about the fans. And I think we have to be careful, especially if we're going to, if we're going to enter into the fray as leading voices in the podcast world on entertainment, which I fully expect us to do for real. I fully expect. (laughs) I think we have to be careful not to give the fans and we are, we are part of that crew, but not to give the fans too much power and, or to, or to, or to excuse good or bad storytelling based on feedback from fans. Um, there's no doubt that the impact they have on on actors and actresses and look at, I mean, we had people that had to literally get rid of social media because of the backlash that was directed specifically at them. And some of that is real and true, but when it comes to the actual storytelling, um, because if that's the direction we're going to go and we believe the fans have that much power, then what we should be doing is pushing for studios to have less power so that storytellers and directors mm-hmm. what they need and want to do without the the handcuffs of the studios. Yeah, because yeah. what the fans are doing is affecting what the bottom line that could be going to yes. studios instead of... Yeah, yes. I agree. I mean, because yeah, because you've got that with you know the Ryan the Ryan Johnson uh, movie, and then the possible trilogy that was going to happen that probably isn't going to happen now, right? Because fans freaked out about it, and because the you know will that will that then sell if yeah. if if we move forward with this? And I would have loved to have seen that trilogy. Yeah. The idea that he was bringing in the storytelling that he had in. Um, in the, the episode eight was was just was fantastic and i thought it was it was a really cool and clever way to take to take that story and i would have really really enjoyed to see what his take would be on a full series yeah and and the other thing i liked about ryan johnson is his reaction to fans like he never ran away from them he would engage with them online about you know oh i, I see that you didn't like that here's kind of the reason why i went that direction but he was never like you guys are idiots you don't know what you're talking about i'm so smart um so his reaction to fans i thought was really really good i don't think jj was trying to placate fans i agree with you trevor that what jj was trying to do was finish his story and i think that's why disney brought him back because they knew that's what he was going to do and they knew that was the safer bet in response to the fans. Because it was better for the um, bottom line. Yeah. Because it was better for the bottom line. And so that's the, the the power that I think fans have is as they voice their displeasure of the the direction that a story is going. Um that that's what can happen. That can happen with series two. Um Knight Rider two thousand eight. I don't <laughs> know if you guys remember when they re they were trying to do the TV show again and I wanted it to work so well because I loved Knight Rider when I was a kid and it was the same thing halfway through their first and only season they changed direction because people were pushing back they didn't like the way that that things were getting done Mm -hmm. and so the story just got really really weird and wonky because they're trying to fit it into the response again for the bottom line yeah um but I think I think fans do have power um when it comes to not only buying the tickets or saying that you're not going to buy tickets to something or not going to buy the movie when it comes out or whatever the case may be. Um, but that you can bend too far. I think, I mean, so justice league is another example of that. Mm-hmm. The fact that you have the Joss Whedon version of justice league that came out in theaters versus the Zack Snyder version that you saw that is just like way, way different. Again, 
that was a studio freaking out and saying, bend it back this way so that people will will go to see it. Hashtag release the mustache cut. There's a a full like movement. And this, you know, we were talking last week about watching this, this group of guys called the court, the corridor crew on YouTube. Yes. And they're these uh, graphic designers, um, special effects designers. And they actually, they did a series, they did a video where they put the mustache back on Superman. for those clips and then they started they started the hashtag because you know that they've got to exist somewhere there's there's footage oh, there's yeah. footage of spider-man with a mustache and they're like release the mustache Superman with the- <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> although spider-man with a mustache would Spider-Man, be cool as well superman with a mustache cut um and so they're they're begging for people to release the release the the footage of of superman with a mustache you know what i do want i do want the schumacher cut of batman forever oh I do want that because I think that would be, and I know it exists somewhere. So I've, I've seen the hashtag a couple of times. I've heard it. I wanted to gain some momentum and some steam. I want to see the Schumacher cut of Batman forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, that is our top 10 uh, on why the sequel trilogy, um, the things people that are upset about the sequel trilogy that actually happened in the original trilogy. Um, and I hope you liked it. I hope it gave you some enjoyment and some reason for you to to start conversations and discussions with us and with your friends about why, um, why things are the way they are and why people get mad or get glad because of the way that creators create things. Um, but I just want to ask. Glad we solved that problem. I'm so like, glad. We that, solved like that. nobody is going to be arguing about the sequel trilogy ever again. We have yep. solved Star Wars. You're welcome, world. Yep. Just wait until we get into the prequel trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> so, gentlemen, what is happening in your worlds this week? What are some things that you are doing? What are some things that you might be watching? Um, what are what are some things that you want to give to the audience to to take a look at and to interact with you online this week? Well, I I want to ponder first. Uh, something I, I didn't I didn't create this uh, someone else came to me this week and reminded me how old I am and said do you realize that if if today we were to go back 30 years to meet our parents like Marty McFly did in Back to the Future that would put us in 1991 that's the 30 year gap how is that possible? This is what I've been pondering this week. The fact that we only go back to the 90s. <laughs> we were to create an, another origin story similar to that. So that my head is exploding about that this week. How about you guys? Well, and just on top of that, to think of, remember what 1955 looked like to us when we were watching Back to the Future as kids and like, wow, that is so old. They dressed so weird. That's how our kids see 1991. Right. <laughs> like, what was that music? What were you wearing? Why do you have blonde tips in your hair? Well, even like like my <laughs> girls are wearing what what is called today mom jeans. And it's <laughs> You know, these high-waisted jeans from the 90s. And I'm like, those were not even good looking back then. Why are you wearing these? 
That's incredible. I am. So there is a podcast. I, I've got to look it up to find it. It was, um, I think it's called like Superhero House. I'm going to look it up real quick while Joe, while you're talking about yours. But they did, this is about a year ago, they did an interview with the writers of Batman Forever mm. and kind of talked about the process that they went through of going from Tim Burton to Joel Schumacher. Um, and, and it was fascinating to listen to because i love hearing from writers and producers from movies that i love um and talking about the process and they've got some other podcasts um with other writers and things of different movies so i'm definitely going to be diving into that this week but i'm going to look it up while joe shares his with us so i'm not gonna lie gentlemen this this week I am completely wrapped up in my daughter, Sydney, who is graduating. Uh, she's her last day of school is today. She is graduating <sighs> next Saturday. Um, Go. And so my my whole, there's nothing, I'm not going to be diving into to much of anything as far as videos or books or <sighs> YouTube stuff. It's just going to be focused on on getting my daughter graduated and celebrating celebrate. celebrating for a week we're having a party next next weekend and oh it is goodness. is just all about her this week so that's and what's for, going on in my life for those of you who don't know sid is is awesome and yeah, sure. are so proud of her and and joe joe is a softy on the highest level when it comes to his girls so <laughs> We are celebrating with you, man, and also lamenting. Yeah, for real. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was yesterday. It was yesterday she went to kindergarten for the first day. It seemed like. She's super smart. How did she do that in a day? <laughs> really, really, really fast. So smart. <laughs> yeah. Light speed. <laughs> did you find it, Nate? Yes, it is called Superhero Stuff You Should Know from Superhouse. Oh, wow. That's and, and what I... Uh, we'll put the link to that in the descriptions, everybody. Yeah. Because that's a big Absolutely. One. In the show notes. <laughs> the show notes. Yes, I like it. To yeah, it's a, good, it it's a good listen. Hey, I did find a podcast. It wasn't a superhero or geek necessarily uh, topic, but I listened to a podcast this last week um, by, by a guy named Alan Grant, and he had J.J. Abrams on to actually host the show for him and ask him questions oh, on nice. his own podcast. Uh-huh. And what came up were some topics about storytelling and movie making and Star Wars and things of that nature. So um, that is actually a really cool uh, way to investigate podcasts is by finding interviews by your favorite directors as well and get some of the behind the scenes stuff um, that they talk about. So Adam Grant, uh, Think Again is the name of a book that he was talking about and had that podcast on. Uh, for some of my drives this week. It was pretty rad. I thought you said Alan Grant, and I thought you were going to say that he was going to be talking about how he was a paleontologist who was digging in <laughs> the desert until this old guy in a helicopter flew out, took him to an island where he got chased by a T-Rex. I'd listen to that podcast. For real? Yeah. It's quite Blue a with pterodactyls on the way out. <laughs> yeah. So... Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, everybody, for being with us this week yes. for this edition of We Three Beards. Uh, for Trevor and Nathan and I, we are so glad that you are were with us. Um, we hope that you have a fantastic week. Please find something to geek out on if you do not have something, because everybody needs to geek out on something. Um, thank you for being with us. 
Join us for the next episode of We Three Beards.